Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about Martha Washington. Martha Washington was a no-nonsense person who disliked flashiness and social pretension. But though she might have dressed casually at times, Mrs. Washington was always neat and attractive. Nor could she stand sloppiness in anyone else, especially at the dinner table. One day, her granddaughter Nellie Custis and niece Martha Dandridge came to the evening meal looking less than presentable. The Washingtons kept silent about the breach of manners, but just as dinner ended, a carriage drew up to the house. The young women got all flustered when they noticed its occupants were a male friend and some French officers. May we please be excused, Nellie asked. We need to change our clothes and fix our hair. We look awful. Mrs. Washington narrowed her eyes. No, she said, remain as you are. What is good enough for General Washington is good enough for any guest of his. Martha Dandridge, the oldest child of Francis Jones and Colonel John Dandridge, was born on June 21, 1731, near Williamsburg, Virginia. Her mother educated Martha at home with help from itinerant tutors. Like other wealthy young women, she learned needle arts and how to play the spinet. Martha, however, also enjoyed more robust pursuits, like horseback riding, and she was quite accomplished. On one visit to her uncle's house, she trotted her horse up and down the staircase. Her aunt took her to task for this appalling behavior, but Martha's father laughed off the episode. Let Patsy alone, he declared, using his daughter's nickname. She's not harmed William's staircase, and by heavens, how she can ride. At 15, Martha Dandridge came out in Virginia society and two years later married well-to-do planter Daniel Park Custis, 13 years her senior. They lived on his Virginia estate, ironically named White House, where they had four children. Two died as infants. Martha's husband died suddenly in 1757, possibly of a massive heart attack leaving her one of Virginia's wealthiest women. Less than a year later, she met a captivating officer at a mutual friend's Williamsburg home. Although Martha's father initially objected to her union with George Washington because he didn't believe Washington was of a high enough social status, the couple married on January 6th 1759 at White House. In April, Martha and her children moved to his home, Mount Vernon. For the next 15 years, the Washingtons lived happily at their Potomac River estate. They did not have any children by their marriage. Early each morning, the family had a worship time, followed by music lessons for the children and reading current newspapers. Washington was attentive to his new family, in addition to his oversight of the farm and duties in the Virginia State Legislature. 
tragedy visited in the early 1770s. Patsy Custis had suffered from epilepsy since the age of six, and her condition progressively worsened through the years. At 17, she suffered her last convulsion and died at Mount Vernon. George Washington noted that her death reduced my poor wife to the lowest ebb of misery. In the ensuing weeks and months, her husband, son, and faith sustained her. Two years later, George left Mount Vernon to participate in the Second Continental Congress in Philadelphia, where he became the Continental Army's Commander-in-Chief. When Washington received his commission, he wrote to his wife that he would enjoy more real happiness in one month with you at home than the glory of the highest post the military could offer. She was deeply devoted to the Patriot cause and her husband's role in it. Edmund Pendleton, who traveled to the Second Continental Congress with Washington, remarked, She seemed ready to make any sacrifice and was very cheerful, though I know she felt quite anxious. She talked like a Spartan mother to her son on going to battle. I hope you will all stand firm. I know George will, she said. When we set off in the morning, she stood in the door and cheered us with good words. God be with you, gentlemen. The war began in earnest in 1775. Martha spent each winter at her husband's encampments, making her first treks outside of Virginia. She would repair the men's clothes and socks and visit the sick and wounded until the spring battles commenced. Mrs. Washington became a source of great cheer to her husband and his men. She also tried to become an example for their wives, telling them, Whilst our husbands and brothers are examples of patriotism, we must be patterns of industry. She was especially encouraging to them during the bitter winter of 1777-78 at Valley Forge. Upon meeting her there, Baron von Steuben's aide-de-camp remarked, She reminded me of the Roman matrons of whom I had read so much. I thought that she well deserved to be the companion and friend of the greatest man of the age. She once shocked a group of society women with her homespun style during the Morristown, New Jersey encampment. While they arrived in all their finery, Lady Washington, as they dubbed her, received them in a simple dress. While they talked, Martha knitted. At first the women were offended by her plain appearance, as well as her busy hands, but one of them later noted, She seems very wise in experience, kind-hearted and winning in all her ways. She talked much of the suffering of the poor soldiers, especially of the sick ones. Her heart seemed to be full of compassion for them. When the British surrendered at Yorktown, Virginia in 1781, another calamity struck Martha and her family. George took his stepson Jackie to the battle site where the young man came down with a serious fever and died. He left behind a wife and four small children. 
Martha and George took in two of the children to ease their daughter-in-law's burden. General Washington resigned his commission and returned to Mount Vernon, where he and Martha eagerly took up plantation life. This lasted only four years, however, when the Constitutional Convention met in Philadelphia. Washington, it quickly became apparent to most of the delegates, was the best choice to be the nation's first president. On April 30, 1789, he was inaugurated in New York City. Martha joined her husband shortly afterward and reluctantly began setting precedents for her new responsibilities as First Lady. She was not overly fond of public life. She refused to be called Lady or Marquise, among other suggested titles, preferring a simple Mrs. Washington. Martha hosted Friday evening open houses for prominent people, but she also set boundaries with them, zealously guarding her husband's well-being. At those nighttime functions, she would rise at nine o'clock and announce, the general always retires at nine and I usually precede him. In spite of her down-to-earth disposition, some detractors charged she was creating a monarchical atmosphere. Attacks like these, as well as the loss of her privacy and constant demands on her time and attention, decreased the small amount of tolerance she already had for fame. In a letter to a friend, she confided that being First Lady had grown tiresome and she had long since placed all the prospects of my future worldly happiness in the still enjoyments of the fireside at Mount Vernon. George Washington officially retired from public service for the last time in March 1797, and John Adams became the nation's second president. General and Mrs. Washington reveled in their quieter life at Mount Vernon, in spite of a steady stream of well-wishers, friends, and family. On December 14, 1799, George Washington died at his estate. Two years later, the Reverend Manasseh Cutler visited Martha Washington and made the following remarks. She frequently spoke of the general with great affection, viewing herself as left alone, her life protracted, until she had become a stranger in the world. She repeatedly remarked the distinguished mercies heaven still bestowed upon her, for which she daily had cause for gratitude, but she longed for the time to follow her departed friend. She died five months later on May 22nd and was buried next to her husband at Mount Vernon. An Alexandria newspaper obituary recorded, she was the worthy partner of the worthiest of men. Thank you for joining me for Inspiration from American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.